Hi, and welcome to episode 38 of the Connect 2 podcast. I'm Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Mark, how are you? I'm okay. Yeah? How are you? I'm living in interesting times. Yes, the ancient Chinese curse. Yeah. We were, uh, I think 2022 has been, uh, I thought 2021 was bad, but the first two, two months of 2022 have not been any better, and I'd like to return it for a refund please <laughs> i'm still under my 90 day warranty period 90 day that's right 60 day <laughs> if you're new to our channel um rate review and subscribe please subscribe particularly on uh apple yeah apple it'll make us feel good it'll make us feel good yeah. and it'll and make you feel good too uh, there you go so we're a feel good kind of place absolutely even when it doesn't feel even so when good. it doesn't feel good out there we're getting uh, more downloads. Our, our, our velocity is uh, picking up a little, so that's exciting. It is. Yeah. And uh, still having some fun, so there you go. Exactly. And should I ask about the mailbag? No. <laughs> Got it. Today's coffee, however. I got some Google AdWord coupons on the this mailbag. This coffee is really good. It is wonderful. What is this? This is... Let me see what it is. This is from BC. Mm. It is from Drum Roaster Coffee. Yep. Um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but I'll try anyway. Baudelio Lemus from Guatemala. Supposed to have tasting. I mean, this is this is a remarkable coffee. I'm just yeah, supposed to have uh, tasting notes of plum, chocolate wafer, mm. and creamy. Um, what did I say? This coffee is part of an ongoing project to support. The Mate Quintilla Farmers Against Canadian Mines Disrupting the Land. You may recognize the story from the coffee we featured from Bose Coffee in December 2021. From this coffee company the month prior. Uh, so this is from the coffee roasters. They right. are giving little notes. And they said, together we can increase the buying powder to help increase the locals defend their land against outside sources. The Escobar mine is responsible for human rights abuses and the contamination of the entire community. It affects the livelihood and the way of life for thousands of locals, not to mention the mine's illegal use of indigenous Zinca territory. Purchasing this coffee um, empowers them to spend time resisting the corruption of local and the national government. So... Anyway, it's quite the story. It's very it's uplifting. Woohoo! <laughs> it's not as tasty. Freedom! It's not as tasty anymore. Did you say the Canadian mining company? Apparently, it's oh, a Canadian. Oh man! Just a. This has not been a good, uh, good, good week for our our public image. No. Oh well. What are you gonna do? Um, we'll bounce back. Coffee trees. Were Although brought, we're doing well in the Olympics. Coffee trees were originally brought to Guatemala by Jesuit missionaries in the mid 1700s. Wow but not for the purpose of growing coffee. Okay. They were brought over to be used as ornamental plants. <laughs> Around this time, Guatemala was known for its indigo and cochineal dye industries. But when the invention of synthetic dyes ro rolled around during the mid 1800s, Guatemala needed a new export to keep its economy afloat. Thus, the country began to grow coffee commercially on a sizable scale. Wow. And by the turn of the century, 90% of Guatemala's exports were coffee, and that number is still true today. It, that's amazing. So it's gracias mi padre. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Today, the country is known Buenos for dias. specialty grade coffee. Jesus. <laughs> Although the country is 10th in line of ranking as the largest coffee exporter, often second behind Colombia in production for high grade specialty that coffee. That is amazing. So there I thought go. That, that's a little more encouraging than the mining the, and the, the yeah. Miners. Okay. So, ah, <sighs> I, I got a dad joke for you. Oh, sh you know, I'm so glad you do because I keep forgetting that we're doing that. Uh, go ahead. So pirate walks into a bar with a paper towel on his head. <laughs> okay. The bartender says to him, dude, what's up with the paper towel? Pirate says, I got a bounty on my head. <laughs> <laughs> the quicker picker upper. <laughs> Very good. That'll tie well in with the Boba Fett stuff. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. So what two things did you learn this week? Uh, well, you know, actually, it's not so much what I have learned as, it, as what I am learning. Um, turns out HubSpot has got some phenomenal resources, all free, on social media, content, uh, str strategically planning content. What is HubSpot? HubSpot is a inbound marketing company that are quite well known. And uh, you can hire them, I guess, to do, if you're a big company, you'd hire them to do all of your social media and, and integrated marketing. But for reasons I don't fully understand, I have this whole academy. And because I was looking to create a content strategy for the new base camp, initiative and i thought you know rather than just start creating content you know shotgun as a strategy i put that in the search engine and hubspot popped up and i'm i've been taking probably taking like 12 hours of online courses over the last three days it's all free downloads tools i'm like this is unbelievably cool you know woe to anyone who tries to open a uh social media course that you'd want to have people pay for because these are the experts giving you all this free content. So I'm learning a lot about how to, uh, uh, you know, uh, configure content and how to make it like what they call pillar pages and, and you do all your sub content and then kind of link it all to one page that, that is almost like the table of table of contents thing and how this all optimizes for SEO and, Powerful, powerful stuff. So, and all of it gratis, except I'll be receiving, you know, emails from them now, but okay. Well, that sounds, that I get emails like from it. everybody. Yeah, <laughs> all this free shit that I have. So, yeah, exactly. so yeah. So I'm learning a lot about that. Um, that's the first thing I learned. What about you? And then I'll think about what else I might've learned. Well, I, I learned two things this week that are not super exciting, but well, sort of. Um, first of all, um, I decide I have this set up with my espresso machine. I have a fancy espresso machine. Mm. It's like near co commercial grade and it's like a mini commercial espresso machine. Yep. And I've got this big grinder and all this. Anyway, for some reason, for some insane reason, I've had this tuned so well for a long time that I just, I don't have to think about it. I okay. Just, press a button out comes the coffee i i tamp it and then i put it in the espresso machine and, right and it just makes great coffee like sure like every time i decided to screw around <laughs> what does this setting do oh no what does this button do yeah it's, uh, it was along those lines so 
I discovered how finicky it is to try and tune your grinder um, because you, you got to get, if you have it too coarse, most grinders work on time, but you're really, your target is weight. Right, 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 right. You're trying to get right, a certain right, right. amount of weight. Sure, yeah. And, um, and, a, and a certain size of, of yeah. granularity, I guess. Yeah, but if you, if, so if you have it based on time. Right. And you adjust the grind, uh, it makes it coarser, but way more goes through. Mm. And if you do it too fine, uh, it's too fine. Nothing right. comes through. Sure. And you're way light. Got it. And the problem is, is when you put it in the espresso machine, as it goes through, if it's too coarse, it just flows right through and right. makes the coffee bitter. Yeah. yeah if yeah, you, yeah, you have yeah. it too fine, it takes forever to go through and right. it makes the coffee sour. I think I got it right. So one is sour. So too fast. Too fast is either sour or bitter and too slow is either. But either way, either way, it's, either no, way. it's no good. Yeah. So, and it's, right. it's definitely, I, th I think too long is sour. Okay. And, um, anyway, um, but to get it right, it's like, it's like millimeters. Really? <laughs> oh man. So let me be clear. You, so you, you, I, you messed with the grinder. I messed with the, the grinder, not the yet. coffee machine. I didn't so don't do touch any, that. Don't touch that. <laughs> don't mess with, don't mess with the coffee machine. This is just the grinder. Just the oh, grinder. Man. I'm just trying to get it and. I had I produced all this extra ground coffee. Now the good thing about the extra ground coffee is it makes great pour over. Oh well, there you go. So it's not a complete and total waste. No, I have pour overs for a while now. But uh, anyway, so that's the first thing I learned. Don't mess with the don't, grinder. Don't when mess with your Don't grinder. mess with things when you got a good. Thing. That's right. <laughs> Maybe that should be. A rule for people in 2022, don't <laughs> mess with things if they're okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, the other thing um, that <laughs> I learned is uh, is related to, so uh, I shoot with a particular brand of uh, camera. It's called Olympus. Okay. And Olympus, uh, a couple of years ago, and officially it was like January 1st of last year, um, got acquired by a company called GIP. Basically, Olympus is also sells medical equipment and a bunch of other things, and they spun off their their camera making okay company. Now, Olympus has been making cameras for over a hundred years. I was gonna say we I've had an Olympus at some point in the past, and they're just they've been around forever. Yeah, they've been around forever. They're they're really good. They they basically. Uh, Apparently, this is a thing that happens with Japanese companies where they're really trying to, uh, they, they, they can't do what a lot of businesses do in North America where, you know, if they're not economically viable, they can't just fire their staff or whatever. Right. So what they do is they, they get another, they sell it to another company and they lay off all the staff. Oh, interesting. So, um, so, so that's what they did. <laughs> they do this with J, JIP <laughs> and they basically a passive aggressive sort of cultural move. Yes. Are we all going to be fired? No, you're being, no, sold. no, no, oh. don't worry. They'll take care We're of We're not going to fire you. They'll take care I of you. I can promise you. We, we here in this room will not fire you, <laughs> but you're being sold to smaller people in a different room. And they're not in this room. Will they fire us? Eh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Not my, not my, <laughs> not, not my, my problem. <laughs> so the, um, so JIP went and did a, 
major restructuring. They changed the name of the company from Olympus because Olympus was a brand and Olympus, the medical equipment company is keeping that stuff. Right. Right. Cause sure. that's quite profitable. Yes. And, yes. uh, and, uh, they, they, so they rebranded as, uh, OM systems, OM digital systems. Okay. And, um, and, uh, but they're, they are putting Olympus on some of the cameras and they just released last night, um, about 11 PM our time, um, a new camera. Now they describe this as a wow camera. Okay. And, um, it looks pretty good. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's a prof been, professional grade. It's their flagship camera. Okay. Um, now it's been, um, for cameras, uh, what makes it a little interesting is uh, there's been, you know, people are familiar with Canon and Nikon and Sony yep. and Fujifilm. Um, and uh, they all have, they all use kind of different sensors in their cameras. Okay, sure. And uh, Olympus and Panasonic use this smaller sensor for their micro four thirds. This is a, called a micro four thirds, which is an unfortunate name because it's not really micro, but it sounds small. Okay. It is smaller, um, <clears throat> but uh, which makes the equipment uh, much more uh, travel friendly. Okay. Right. So really good if you need to carry it places. Or right, 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 right. Super rugged. and <clears throat> Okay. Uh, um, anyway, um, so they had... They had a big competition because Canon and Nikon and Sony have been releasing cameras like mad right. with super advanced features. But in some ways, Olympus is way more advanced. They use a lot more of the computational photography like you see in your phone. Okay. So whereas uh, Sony and Canon and Nikon do a lot more conventional. Mm. So, you know, you click it, that's it. Right. Lens right. and actual uh, like magnification would be through lenses, not not digital and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's not even that. It, right. So there's it's just uh, there's all these these clever computational tricks that mm. Olympus has incorporated that you just don't see on any other manufacturer. Wow. OK. So they have this thing called live composite. So you take a So if you wanted to take a long exposure at night or something uh, with uh, and with a Canon, you just leave the, the shutter open for a long time. So more, more light comes in with, uh, with Olympus, it does a thing called live composite. So you press a button right, and you take like a, a baseline shot. And then the next time when it starts composite, it just sits there and waits and it only adds if there's new light that shows up. Oh, you mentioned this about being able to capture like a lightning strike with this technology. Lightning yeah. strike. They also do, they also have a, what's called a live bulb feature where you can sit there and watch as the light is painting on the sensor. Ooh, they have a thing called a, cool. a, a live and uh, it's called a, Live ND, where basically uh, there's this thing called a neutral density filter, which is like uh, sunglasses for your camera. Okay. And what it does is it basically allows you to have certain attributes of your Got it. photography. Look at a that camera. Way. It's too cool for school. <laughs> it's wearing Ray-Bans. It's a Ray-Ban. And uh, <laughs> but anyway, it, it can simulate this uh, without actually putting sunglasses okay cool and um <clears throat> and anyway so this wow camera just really just dropped yesterday dropped yeah. yesterday yeah. what's um, the msrp on it you know i think it's about uh 20 
two or twenty five hundred dollars US. Oh, that's not bad. No, compared to um, like the since three four thousand dollars. It'll be about three thousand bucks yeah. Canadian, I would think. Right, and uh, maybe thirty two hundred bucks. But the um, the Canon five uh, R five the R five uh, is is fifty two hundred dollars. And uh, holy lord, and the E, uh, the R3 from Canon is like eight thousand dollars. Um, the Z9, don't go to the trucker rally with that. Nikon, Nikon is Jamoke, slap it out of your hands. Yeah, hey well, man, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so <clears throat> the wow factor is, uh, it's just how difficult and how competitive wow the market has become, sure, and uh, especially for things like. The thing, the big thing is autofocus and resolution. Right. So. And yet you are saying Olympus is selling the division because I, I would presume that most camera makers with the rise of the iPhone and the other smartphones are probably have lost the low end of the market, right? People oh, are, totally. Like there's no more $300 point and shoot cameras because it's like, what do I need that for? I've got, I've got this thing and. They're and almost my, non-existent. My doorbell takes pictures. There's, they're almost non-existent. There are a right. few. They're the specialty. They're now, specialty yeah. cameras. Um, you can also get ones that are point and shoot, but they're like waterproof, like tough and yeah. rugged, rugged, yeah. ruggedized ones to go out like hiking or mountain climbing. Or, the yeah. interesting thing about Olympus previously is uh, it was always one of the top sellers in Japan. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So maybe not worldwide, but Japan, it was always one of the top sellers. It's still one of the top sellers for mirrorless cameras. Hmm. Um, primarily based upon this Japanese market. Hmm. So um, anyway. Interesting. So for me, that was, uh, so I learned all about, about anyway, this new camera that's come out. And uh, yeah. So cool. Anyway, that fills my brain. And uh, <laughs> it's probably why all, all the, all these comments are coming a little jumbled. The other, uh, the other thing I learned, uh, is about that breakthrough in fusion technology out of the UK. Oh, what was this? They sustained a fusion reaction for five minutes, which is apparently five minutes. Five minutes. It's a shattering. Like wasn't all like previous previously records. wasn't it like milliseconds? Uh no, I think it might have been like 10, 15 seconds, but now they've managed to uh to to really blast through like a whole new level. So this is this is good news. Well, not good news for people who are in the oil and gas business, but good news <laughs> for the rest of us, right? Uh, now, how long before you know commercial viability? Decades, probably, but not not centuries anymore. So yeah, exciting. Well, fusion would be better than fission. And out of the UK, which is also kind of cool, right? Because often you think, well, with Brexit and all that, they've probably you know disadvantaged themselves in terms of science and tech. But nope. Uh, <laughs> either Cambridge or Oxford. Hmm. So that was exciting. That is very interesting. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, so today we're talking about guarding against the five D's we're of business. Talk about five, the five D's of business. <clears throat> five D's being five things that could, that, let's say D for detrimental, right? Devastating. Devastating. Uh, yes. Debilitating. De debilitating. Just like bad, 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 bad. So, as we've said on the channel a few times, I've refocused my practice on exit planning and value creation and, and sort of that journey of uh, getting the value out of your business. And one of the stats that I found very interesting is that 
one out of every two businesses typically is going to experience a, a fairly debilitating outcome or what we call an adverse event. Okay. And, um, and again, why you would want to plan and kind of have contingency for this is exactly because they do come up often unexpectedly and they can really de derail, you know, your life plan. Like people have sometimes had to exit the business, sell it, liquidate it, depending on how serious the event is, it can be like totally derailing, you know, what's going on. So well, I, I think, and, and, you know, you're the one who's taking the training related to this. I, as a, uh, as a somewhat of an entrepreneur, I hate that. I hate that name, but anyway, uh, and, uh, because I started my own business and, uh, eventually, uh, you know, it was acquired, acquired in a merger and then, right. and then, uh, I was able to depart. Um, I thought I was on like the freedom 75 plan. I thought I was, I, <laughs> I thought I had a set of handcuffs that I was never going to get out of. Right. And, um, um, and I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, uh, that, that they, they think they're going to be able to go on forever. Well, whether they think they will or, or. I think as you've just identified in some cases they have to. they need to or they feel the need to yeah absolutely um and that's so, just the reality so much, so much right? of your identity is tied up with your work too well identity net worth right like a lot of business owners the stats say have like 80 to 90 percent of their net worth is tied up into their business yeah i believe that of course the problem is if if you're fairly successful you you start to fund a pretty lavish lifestyle right you're yeah. pulling a million dollars out of your business and a lot of people are able to do that that's you know the toys and the travel and the trips and but there's no residual value right yeah. or if one of these five things happens like the, the gravy train comes to a halt potentially right well, and i think i talked about this in another episode because we were looking at buying this company and the guy was he was extracting every yeah. single penny right out of his business yep um, so this was a total cash cow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, again, he, and if he want, but if he wanted to sell it, I mean, there's, that nothing, meant there. there's nothing yeah. there. Now, you know, if you, if you are a little prescient, I mean, there'd be nothing wrong. If somebody wants to pull a million bucks out of their, whatever the number is creating that, that cushion, right. For themselves, then that would probably be a smart, uh, strategy you know, going into it with your eyes open. Say, I'm not going to sell this thing. When I'm done, it's done. But I plan to fund my life. There'd be no problem. What happens, of course, is the people who don't do that, right? It's the it's the well, they spending. Think, think and they're going to fund their life. Yeah, and they're going to have a big sell next the thing, thing, right? And then yeah. they'll sell it for a lot of money, yeah. and uh, yeah. So here's the five Ds. Okay. Number one, death. Because it pretty, is inevitable. Pretty straightforward. Well, it is inevitable. Death and uh, taxes. At the end of the day. But it occasionally comes a knocking, you know, uh, a little sooner. A little than sooner. Expected. Look at Bob Saget, right? They just they determined head trauma, right? Apparently bumped his head, went to bed, and that was it. Yeah, so I kind of freaked my wife out after I slipped. In I know. Here. I was thinking about that. So it happens, right? You could get sick. You could get. Um, you could be killed in a car crash, right? And so contingency. Obviously, life insurance, key man insurance, again, building a, a strong team, all kinds of personal uh, estate side things that, hey, if the if the inevitable 
sorry, it's not if, if the inevitable happens much sooner than you expect. Well, not good for you, but at least the business can continue, right? Well, so critical illness insurance. Yeah. yeah. So these businesses where everything is on the owner, and then suddenly uh, they're gone unexpectedly. You know, it's very unlikely that the business will survive, or if even if it does, it's it's worth nothing. So that's number one. Uh, disability, again, similar, right? But somebody could have a stroke. Somebody could you could get cancer. Uh, any number of of <laughs> we living in the in the under the, the, the specter of long COVID, you know, who knows, right? So again, same idea, right? Things in place, insurance, key man. Uh, divorce, again, a lot of people don't think about this, but you got everything in your company and all of a sudden, you know, things go sideways in the relationship. Uh, this could be, and there's no gender bias here, but, you know, the person who used to be, uh, uh, you know, your number one partner is now looking for half the stuff. And we've seen, I think, because we're a certain age now, we've we've known people who've gotten divorced and the behavior can be kind of unbelievable, right? It's like scorched earth, um, not to mention just the, the loss of focus, right? So if you are running your business and it requires like almost all of your attention, I guess what, you know, an ugly divorce requires a huge amount of your attention as well. So the business can falter. So that's another one. Right? Well, and I think that if, um, that if you, uh, if you're planning for your exit and you haven't thought about it very carefully and actually have something to do or what you intend to do once you retire, um, that can create an enormous amount of stress on your relationship because now all of a sudden you're hanging out with your significant other way more and you're not distracted by other things <laughs> well that, that might be a, a post-exit divorce exactly. yeah there's some truth to that too i was thinking more you're, tr you're trucking along and all of a sudden boom you get hit with the papers well the midlife and, crisis and the big like, red car yeah you do and, something uh, stupid or, and uh, uh, going what yeah. what happens in vegas stays in vegas yeah. except if it doesn't well, look at Bezos. This is a perfect example. That guy has lost his mind. It's true. <laughs> he has lost his mind. I guess he's not CEO anymore. At least there's that. No, he gave that up. Yeah. But he has gone nuts, right? <laughs> um, so it can happen, right? So that's number three. So death, disability, divorce, uh, disagreement. Uh, usually, now this is not going to happen so much. Yeah, partnerships. And I firsthand have seen some crazy stuff, right? Where... Uh, I think the one that was the most amazing to me, I was doing work with a company and they had bought, so it's three, three owners and they had bought the previous owners out. And two of them were uh, uh, aunt and nephew, right? Okay. And there'd been, hey, speaking of death. So one of the partners, his wife had passed away unexpectedly. He had been away and it had created all these, these, problems all these stresses in the business and they were you know at this point where the thing was basically immobilized right they're right. just fighting all the time so i go in first question you know is there a unanimous shareholders agreement no <laughs> okay well that's that's bad that's bad but then they actually admitted that they had never sat down and had any kind of discussion about where they wanted this business to go any kind of vision no strategy and i was like you guys bought and this was a fairly good size, like uh, contracting company, you know, probably five, six million in revenue, uh, 30 or so employees. And I was like, 
you bought into this thing and you never sat down, the three of you, and had a discussion about any of that. Well, Not to mention putting in place what happens if we have a disagreement? What happens if we have... Well, that's the whole know, point uh, of a USA. Yeah. Most people don't realize Insane. that. Insane. Like you go, okay, well, why do you have a unanimous shareholders agreement? It's it's basically the guardrails in case something goes absolutely, absolutely wrong. Absolutely, exactly. I mean, I had a business a long time ago, and there was like 10 friends. And oh, we, I remember that. We went into business together, but we set up a USA, a unanimous shareholders agreement. And um, it basically allowed us after to still be friends because we lost our shirts. Yeah. Um, we, it was, you know, never go into retail, never go into business as something you don't know anything about. Rule number one, if it's really cheap, there might be a reason there it's really a cheap problem. Right. And uh, you need a certain amount of money in order to make a business go. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't have that money, it ain't going to go. And yeah. uh, we tried really hard for a couple or three years and we were able to get out minimizing our losses, but right. we all lost money. Right. Some And so much time and, and, and effort know, and all yeah. that stuff. But, uh, but in the end, we were still friends. Right. Which uh, I think if we didn't have the USA, that would not have happened. No, exactly. It would have been a disaster. Oh, and sometimes these things actually uh, happen in conjunction, right? So here's the classic. So two business partners, everything's going great. One of them dies, let's say, right? And then suddenly it, uh, the estate passes to the spouse, right? Mm -hmm. it's, there's no funded uh, buy-sell, right? Because often sometimes you, if you're smart, you'll, you will insure against that, right? Because right. what you want, if you can, is, look, that person had nothing to do with the business. so. I will basically buy the shares of my now deceased partner, right? With, with insurance proceeds, that person is out and That's it's right. great. If you don't have that funded, suddenly they come a they looking come knocking for, on the door and say, Oh, you owe me like 2 so million, million bucks million. or whatever. Right. Now business says, well, that's one scenario. The other one is that now they become a 50% again, partner. if you haven't set it up. Right. And then boom, now it's disagreement. Well, you, maybe you, you got along, maybe they remarry. Now suddenly somebody else or the guys, you know, your previous partner's children, it just becomes messy. Right. Well, so, so you and I worked for a firm that had, uh, had, a um, an owner who, you know, was a little bit, uh, colorful, colorful. And, uh, he decided to fly his plane in this company plane to Bermuda uh, without his wife and his wife found out that in fact there was a lady that went along with <laughs> i remember so when he re returned from this flight um uh, she met him at the door with a shotgun and <laughs> fortunately it didn't go off <laughs> yeah but that was the end of that marriage and right. they they talked about uh, there was rumors all around that because there was no there was no way of dealing with it. And they talked about painting a line down the corridors and this side was, uh, what's their name? Gwen, 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 oh, Gwen and yeah, Al. Yeah. No. Yeah. That shit happens all the time. Oh, wow. Like, all the time. And then the 50 is distress, which is basically. So what do we have? We have death, death disability. disability, divorce, divorce, disagreement, disagreement. Okay. And, and then distress. Distress. 
distress. What what does that? Mean? Well, I think we've been living through that right now, right? So you trucking along? Sorry, no pun intended. You're you're, oh, you're man, carrying along, and all of a sudden, you know, massive supply chain uh, disruption right. or some kind of of closure due to a pandemic, right? You don't have the cash, or right, and the business goes under. Um, again, certain things are probably a little bit hard to guard against. Right. Others are probably a little bit more uh, predictable. So like one of them would be loss of a major supplier, right? So if you haven't nailed down supply supplier relationships, a competitor comes along, they, they offer your supplier some amazing agreement, right? Some kind of deal. You get a phone call and your supplier is basically saying, sorry, but you know, I've re reached an agreement where I'm going to now be exclusively supplying your competitor. So you get your, whatever it is from somewhere else. Right. Or maybe it's not exclusive, but now you become like third or fourth in the pecking order, right? They get preferential again. There's lots of stuff that. Well, I've heard that you know uh, you can, you can guard against some of that or, or the other one is the old client worth 80% of your business, right? So many businesses right. have that have one client that yeah. is so, you know, what it happens over time and uh, nobody, I don't think sits down and plans that, but, you know, five, 10 years into it, they just, they've become so important. Um, then suddenly they get bought out or, you know, or there's a corporate change There's something. Right. And then boom, you're, you're out. Well, I had that because, so I had an engineering company and we, we worked for insurance companies over the, over the course of 25 years or so. And, um, man, we're old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I started, we had one company that was like 75% of our business. Right. About five years in, like it was like overnight, the tap got cut off. Right. Uh, they had a. Was that when they changed some of the legislation on, no, on this low was, speed this impacts? Was entirely or? an internal reorganization. The guy that was a huge supporter of ours. Okay. Uh, got transferred to a different um, different office. Yeah, it, like it was a senior vice president or something, and he got moved to I don't know, a different city. Right, and uh, so then all of a sudden the tap was like, like why are we? They, they were like, why are we doing this? So the tap was cut off. Fortunately, right about that time, we had just onboarded a new client that came and did and picked up. The slack. The slack. And then... Uh, so lucky. We, we actually went through that sort of similar cycle about five or six times. Wow. Where we had a big client. And, and sure. as as things progressed, the, the new clients were not as dominant as that first client that was 75%. So the next one was maybe at some point in time, like 50%. Okay. And then, yeah. and then it, yeah. the next big client was maybe 40%. And so, you know, but so it's still, it was a, th that huge change and all because of an internal reorgan reorganization that we had absolutely no control over. Or probably didn't see coming. Nope. Right? It yeah. was overnight. So, so one way to mitigate that is to just make it part of the strategic, uh, uh, the plan is that you monitor and say, we're going to, you know, 30% from one customer is our maximum, right? We don't let it get, but it requires some discipline, right? Obviously, but you get busy. And if you don't have that, you wake up one morning and realize, holy smokes, they're like 80% of our stuff, right? So it just becomes incremental. But if you, if you make that explicit and say every quarter, every year, we're going to sit down, you know, and if we're consistently seeing 
more than 30%, we're going to have to go out and somebody would say, well, what, fire that client? Say, no, we can go get some more clients and just build up well, a diversified portfolio. Well, right? it was interesting for uh, for us. So the company that that, that we um, merged with so, so and basically ended up taking over, um, we ended up buying a, a small engineering firm out of Vancouver. I remember this. And yeah. um, they, uh, so a big, chunk of their work that kept two or three of them like fairly busy um was all related to motor vehicle accidents and right. this past year bc uh implemented um a no-fault insurance system okay yes. so what ended up happening is they haven't my understanding is they're there hasn't been a lot of new files i imagine not. after that date um so any of any new files that are coming in predate that nothing postdates it. Fortunately, the company was diversifying right. and doing other kinds of work. You mean the, the, the Vancouver one, the, Vancou the little one, the little Vancouver yeah. one. So they saw it because uh, as, as the big company kind of took it over, was able to use its marketing muscle to get into other areas. But one of its big competitors in that market has just decided to shutter their, their like right like they were probably the second biggest um yeah second biggest forensic engineering firm in in canada and they've really yeah it's called mckinnis engineering or mea they okay. decided just to shut her down at least in bc so i think they're still open in ontario and in sure. california but you know and that happens all the time right that kind of stuff so mm. So anyways, so the five, death, disability, divorce, disagreement, distress, the, the solution is basically planning contingency, con, you know, contingency planning, being a little bit prescient and, and realistic that, Hey, you know, one out of two is going to have one of these, or as I said, sometimes <laughs> they can be a cascading effect of, you know, somebody dies, then, you know, next thing there's a disagreement and, and then you you're know, having distress. Yeah, exactly. So you know, there are no guarantees in life, but I think well, there uh, are a couple. A smart death guarantee. Is definitely a guarantee. Well, yeah, that's true. Death we are going to die at some point. Exactly. Uh, just some some contingencies, and you know, some people don't want to. Uh, I once had a client whose wife told me that he didn't believe in life insurance because he didn't want to bet against himself, and I said that's a sure bet, you know. So it requires a bit of that um, willingness to say, yeah, something could could happen, right? Uh, we don't like to think about it, but it's okay. certainly not impossible. So there you go. That's that's awesome. Um, you know, this coffee is really good. This is really good coffee. <laughs> I may have a, another cup there. She's got one kicking around. I don't. Oh, too bad. <laughs> I have to. I'd have to make. Some. Maybe we'll we'll have a repeat for the next. Sounds episode. good. So let's talk about media. Media. So what media have you been consuming? I have been consuming um, a YouTuber named Stephen He. <laughs> yes. who is hilarious emotional oh damage. man i can't get enough of this guy he is so funny uh and i i ran i saw him he was doing a joint thing with julie nolke yeah yeah and i was like who's this guy and uh yeah so i've been very much enjoying that i like i, I tend like to julie nolke. binge somebody's content for a while and then then get away from it um and uh <laughs> we started watching the peacemaker with our 14 year old son and our 12 year old son who 
thankfully lost interest because there's quite a bit of nudity in it. (laughs) Quite a bit of nudity in it, uh, which we did not anticipate. So the 14 year old was like, okay with it, I guess. But I think my son, my younger son, he's still at that age where that kind of freaks him out. Mm -hmm. It's a bit early. But it's a great show. John Cena is hilarious. It's, uh, I think we talked a little bit about the Suicide Squad last episode. Yep, and I yep. said it was it was nuts. You know, very dark compared to what Disney's doing. This is in exactly in the same vein. I don't know how they got this green lit uh, by Warner Brothers, but it's uh, it's it's insane. Well, I think but hilarious. I think Deadpool opened the door yeah. for a lot, of and a lot of people from the movie. Uh, some of the bit players shown up in this show and so it's it's quite fun but yeah nudity language uh extreme violence it's awesome (laughs) (laughs) great what about you uh a couple things so i saw the season finale of uh the book of boba fett yep so did we that came out on uh last week yeah what'd you think i thought it was I thought episode five of the book of Boba yeah. Fett was by far the best. Right. Um, that was directed by uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. Ron Howard's and, daughter. And yeah. uh, her, her skill was amazing. Yes. That storytelling was phenomenal. Yeah. This one, the ep- the final episode was interesting. It did tie up a lot of loose ends, but it had, um, it had kind of a almost slightly campy, uh, a campiness to it. Yeah, well, Robert Rodriguez, right? Like he did El Mariachi, and uh, it had elements of that. Everything is a western. I mean, there was a very lot of western, western uh, but overtones. It was a little bit, you know, the it was like they were they were battling everywhere, and all is lost. And like, what happened to the the? There were they Gamorans, the the green pig guys. There was two of them, and they, and got, they just kinda, fell off yeah, the cliff. cliff, and nobody said anything about yeah, it. Like, what the exactly. heck? That's right. Spoilers, by the way. Like they were, they yeah. were like number one. I'm in there first, supporting Boba Fett, yeah. and then, and nobody, nobody went to check to well, see how they I were doing. I thought it was a. I, I enjoyed the series. But I thought if I'm Timura Morrison, I'm feeling a little bit like I'm not really the star of my own show. Right? No, the Mandalorian. Is. This is definitely Mandalorian 2.5 yeah. and setting up, uh, you know, but I, I enjoyed it. Again, Filoni and Favreau really. I thought they, they hit it out of the capturing park. Capturing the essence of, of but the, Star Wars. But and, the Mandalorian is just, I, I, I can't get enough of it. And yeah. uh I don't know what Didn't it is. Did you say it's end of this year? We're going to see season yeah, three. Season three is coming. Yeah, out. so that's going to be good. I'm I'm, look, I'm really looking forward yeah. to that. Wonder so, if they'll bring back Gina Carano after all. I don't think so. No, think no. she's gone. Yeah. Um. I. Uh. The other thing is, um, there was a, a new teaser for Doctor Strange that came out during right. the Super Bowl weekend. I know, insane. And oh my, like uh, you know, I. I sometimes watch these guys on YouTube who will go and dissect the, and the things that they notice and they're yeah. picking apart details. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, I think I saw screen crush had 73 things you missed in the two and a half minute trailer. I know it's like, right? yeah. And uh, so, but they know their stuff. They know their stuff. Yeah. They got all the lore. They right. did you pick up on the, the voice? Yeah. The, yeah. The voice yeah. of, uh, of Charles Xavier. Yeah. 
So, uh, and, uh, so, and they're, they're counting how many chairs are in this one room. Yeah. The Illuminati, right? Yeah. I think maybe Tom Cruise as Iron Man Superior Ultra or yeah. Supreme, Iron Supreme, Man Supreme. Yeah. I don't know. There, so there's all kinds of rumors. I just hope Krasinski's in it as, uh, as uh, Reed, Richards. Reed Richards. People lose their minds. So, yeah. yeah. That's so, coming out. When is that coming out? It's... It's soonish. March, late March. Yeah, I think it's like March. That. I think yeah. it's March. Yeah. So March and Moon Knight uh, also. Uh, March thirtieth is coming out pretty <laughs> yeah. soon. And then so. Batman, the Batman, coming out March fourth. Yeah. That's. Uh, so there's some really good. There's uh, gonna be some good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? So, Anything else? Oh, and I saw the end of Red Sparrow. I finally oh, right. saw the end. How was that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> No, the only other thing I'm watching is I, I'm still trucking through the expanse mm, and um, finding is, it like it's just it, it is it is one of the top. It's it just like where is this going? Like wow, right? It gets, it gets and more. the number of characters who were super important like in the first season that are now just gone and it's just like moved on. It's like like all those people are dead. We're not doing that anymore. Now it's a new stage. It's like okay, cool. So I'm very much enjoying it. It yeah. gets, um, and a lot of the characters that kind of show up, there are ones that stick around for a long time. Yeah, so yeah, I can't, like, uh, Amos is still my favorite. I just, uh, I just, I think that's such a great character. And uh, <laughs> I, I, all I can say is that character gets well fleshed out in terms of character development is back is background and all that or yeah eventually uh, yeah. i mean it takes a long time yeah, i don't want to know no no it, it comes out in troops and drafts right but so yeah. you're, you're not going to get like a uh, like a, a, a detailed exposition like a here. tsunami of information yeah and, and actually they do it for all the characters right you kind of don't learn like they don't tell you the story you have right. to infer the story from things that they do and yeah. little snippets that they tell okay. and places they go. Yeah. And so it's, it's, I think the character development and the plot development is just, it, it's bar none, like top notch. I'm going to start working on my belter accent now to you. Hey, I, <laughs> one other thing that I learned this past week, which I thought was really fascinating, which, okay. you know, we'll, we'll wrap up after this. Cause sure. we're a little long. Um, I did not know. So there's been a number of spinoffs from Star Trek, the original series. Yes. Right. There's, there's movies, there's like Voyager, uh, TNG, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Enterprise. So there was, there, the, there the, was, space Nine. there was a lost, a lost spinoff that was pitched and never picked up. Gary really Seven? Gary Seven. Yeah. Oh, you already know about this. Yeah. I, I, I had no idea. I remember yeah. vaguely the, that one episode. The, that one episode. Yeah. And uh, so apparently Gene Runberg was trying to pitch a new TV show called Gary Seven. Right. It was in the Star Trek universe. Yes. But it was not. So it would, have been set in the late, it would have been set late 60s on Earth. So he pitched it as, you know, and did a pilot. Right. And uh, nobody liked it. No, that's so right. So he redid it again because it was called Assignment Earth. Right. And that was the name of the TV show. And then they, at the end of the second season, the last episode was called Assignment Earth. Right. And it basically included all of the Gary Seven stuff. Yeah. And they had this all planned out for what was going to happen, included Terry Gar. Terry Gar was a very young Terry Gar. Yeah, a very young yeah. Terry Gar. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, uh, was and it? even after all well, of that. Isis was the name of the, the alien the that, that looked like a cat. 
or the cat that looked like an alien. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe it was a flurkin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mix, mixed your, mixed your mixing our world cinematic universe. Yeah. Uh, but the the uh, but apparently even after so he produced this episode, it was popular on Star Trek. Still, no, no, no nothing. nothing. Yeah. So uh, there has been some, I think, some no- novelizations and even some comic books that have picked up on that yeah, character. Totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, as the fan bases like to do, right? It's like yeah. some minor thing and go, Ooh, let's build on this. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, uh, what's our theme for next week? I think the theme uh, for next week is the importance of core values in business. Ooh, I love that. Okay. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. And uh, that's the plan. Okay. And uh, until then, I'm Mark. I'm Jeff. Subscribe. Subscribe. Send us mail. And connect too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) On our Facebook page, we'll be posting some stuff. It's already posted for this week. Excellent. Anyway, see you next week. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.